0: And give me 25. I'm the gunny.
1: It's, it's time for the gunny. The,
2: the, yeah. the quarterdeck. Lights, lights, lights. Get online right now. You got 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. <laughs> Hello, my bunch of knuckle dragging, beer drinking, hard charging devil dogs. You're listening to The Quarterdeck. I am your host, Miguel. The gunny signs. Get off the
3: bus. I do solemn swear. I do <laughs>
2: I will support and
0: defend the Constitution of the United States. States. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic.
2: Back in 1775, i Marine Corps. came alive. First, there came the color of red to show the world the blood we shed. And next there came the color of blue, to show the world that we are true. And next there came the color of gold, to show the world that we were bold. Oh yes, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Extra motivation this week because it is November 10th of 2022, the 247th birthday of our beloved Marine Corps. This week on the Quarterdeck, we are going to go through the sequence of events of our birthday celebration from the reading of General John J. Lejeune's birthday message, the current Commandant's message, and we get an opportunity to celebrate it here together. So for those of you that are not familiar with the birthday of the Corps, you get the opportunity to actually listen on what actually occurs throughout the celebration of our beloved Corps. This week, we're going to take a look in our hero highlights on the story of Corporal Charles Joseph Berry, United States Marine Corps, and what he did in order to earn his Congressional Medal of Honor. In this week's reading with the 1st Marine Division in Iraq of 2003, no greater friend, no worst enemy, we will continue to discuss how the division is continuing the planning efforts and how the division actually gets the administrative center into place for the preparation of the division's deployment into Iraq. As well, we're going to look at the combat engineers. How did they organize themselves for combat? So, as we can see this week on the quarterdeck, it's going to be a full episode, a little bit longer than usual, but that is because we are celebrating our 247th birthday of the United States Marine Corps. The quarterdeck.
3: We train today, we fight tonight, on this day we do it right, on this day we do it right, we honour those who fought to fight, we honour those who fought to fight, now listen up as we go through, these traditions keep us true, these traditions keep us true, I want
1: To sing some more. Marine Corps. Motivation in the simplified. Marine Corps. This is where we come alive. Marine Corps. San Diego climbing up the hills. Marine Corps. Pears Island parade deck skills. Marine Corps. Never giving up is what we instill. Marine Corps. On hollow ground we're waging will. Marine Corps. Being a rifleman is our creed. Marine Corps. This is what we all need to succeed. Marine Corps. united as one, we fight as a team. Marine Corps. And forever we'll Marine Corps to, Marine. to Marine our Marines who okay, v- you know served before. Marine Corps, you're the ones we're screaming for. Marine Corps, hoorah, 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 hoorah. Left foot, left foot, left foot, left foot. Next motivator, won't you come on out? He said, Next motivator, won't you come on out? We want to hear you scream and shout. We want to hear you scream and shout. Take it on the thu- on left foot, take it on the left foot.
2: with tradition of our birthday ball celebration, we read the birthday message from General John A. Lejeune, our 13th Commandant of the Marine Corps. On November 1st, 1921, John A. Lejeune, 13th Commandant of the Marine Corps, directed that a reminder of the honorable service of the Corps be published by every command to all Marines throughout the globe. On the birthday of our Corps, since that day, Marines have continued to distinguish themselves on many battlefields and foreign shores, in war and peace. On this birthday of the Corps, therefore, in compliance with the will of the 13 Commandant, Article 38, United States Marine Corps Manual, edition of 1921, is republished as follows. On November 10, 1775, a Corps of Marines was created by a resolution of the Continental Congress. Since that date, many thousand men have borne the name Marine. In memory of them, it is fitting that we, who are Marines, should commemorate the birthday of our Corps by calling to mind the glories of its long and illustrious history. The record of our Corps. Is one which will bear comparison with that of the most famous military organizations in the world's history. During 90 of the 146 years of its existence, the Marine Corps has been in action against the nation's foes. From the Battle of Trenton to Argonne, Marines have won foremost honors in war. And in the long arrows of tranquility at home, Generation after generation of Marines have grown gray in war in both hemispheres and in every corner of the seven seas that our country and its citizens might enjoy peace and security. In every battle and skirmish since the birth of our Corps, Marines have acquitted themselves with the greatest distinction, winning new honors on each occasion until the term Marine has come to signify All that is highest in military efficiency and celerity, virtue. The high name of distinction and celerity repute we who are Marines today have received from those who preceded us in the Corps. With it, we also receive from them the eternal spirit which has animated our Corps from generation to generation and has been the distinguished mark of the Marines in every age. So long as the spirit continues to flourish, Marines will be found equal to every emergency in the future as they have been in the past. And the men of our nation will regard us as worthy successors to the long line of illustrious men who have served as soldiers of the sea since the founding of the Corps. The inspiring message of our 13 Commandant has left its mark in the hearts and minds of all Marines. By deed, the act from Guadalcanal to Iwo Jima, from Incheon to the Korean Armistice, in interventions from Lebanon to the Dominican Republic, and from the opening battles in Vietnam to the Mayagese Rescue. Marines have continued to epitomize those qualities which are their legacy. The success which they have achieved in combat and the faith they have borne in peace will continue. The Commandant and our many friends have added their hearty praise and congratulations to this, our 247th birthday. Ladies and gentlemen, a message from the Commandant of the Marine Corps.
4: If you're a warrior and you're leading warriors and you're about to step in the battle, one of the key things you must have. An absolute confidence because that radiates out of you.
3: You're giving
4: to them the warrior spirit. Semper Fidelis means that if you are a
3: foe before me, I will not quit until you fall.
4: Awake at night? Nothing. And I keep other people awake at night.
3: The Marine just plain
1: considers himself a better soldier than anybody else. Marines have never given anyone any reason to think differently.
4: We are unique. Not just among our fellow citizens, but among all those who defend our nation. We are defined by our warfighting ethos, our intangible warrior spirit that moves us forward into any battle, in any domain, and binds us not only to the Marine on our left and right, but to all Marines who came before us. Current events around the world show us that peace is far from guaranteed. America's adversaries continue to present an ever-evolving threat to our nation's prosperity and security. Today, almost 31,000 Marines are forward deployed or stationed abroad, in every theater and every time and place, standing ready to confront those who would do our nation's harm. The American strength is based upon the fabric of all of the different cultures and people that come to and that applies on the battlefield, and I've seen that there. That is an essence of the power of the American fighting spirit. For 247 years, capable and determined adversaries have tested the Marine Corps.
1: The enemy knows when they see that EGA and they see a real Marine hooked to that EGA, that could be a serious situation.
4: On each occasion, our forebears gave them reason to fear and respect the title United States Marine. Our adversaries have always had a choice, abandon their aggressions or stand and fight. Some chose to fight and were destroyed. Today, our adversaries still have a choice and they know if they choose to fight, they will be defeated. From the wheat fields of Bella Wood, Volcanic sands of Iwo Jima, to the crowded streets of Way City or Armadi. Marines prove time and time again they will claim victory on any battlefield. Our mission was stay on the compound. Well, things happen, situations change, and we got a call that the gunny from the Marine Security Guard Force. The uh, RSO and their driver were involved in a vehicle accident. We were driven out to the crash site. Liberian rebels armed to the teeth with anything that they had. We had to uh, do a makeshift backboard and stabilize them and got all of our personnel. You're trained for it, but you know, there's variables in there that you could never prepare for. And so you just go with it. And while battlefields and technologies change, the qualities of a Marine are timeless. Grit, strength, boldness, discipline, initiative, adaptability, honor, courage, and commitment. It would be impossible for me to say with any amount of confidence that I would be where and who I am today if I didn't have the foundation of being a Marine. The Marine Corps and how it shapes us and the history of courage and sacrifice that we fill the shoes of and that we follow. um, It's almost impossible to not continue on and to not want to become the best version of yourself personally, but professionally as a Marine as well. These qualities were birthed by the legacy of the old breed, those like Herschel Woody Williams.
3: He really just was a huge inspiration. Growing up, I loved warrior figures and he was the main one. It's
4: the legacy of the Marines who came before us and of our Marines today. When the nation calls, we answer. As America's premier crisis response Marines thrive in chaotic situations where friction is highest.
1: We have to always understand
0: that there's always been troops on the deck taking the fight to the enemy on their distant lands. We
4: are proud to be first to fight. We are ready today and tomorrow. Standing ready with undying devotion to the court, to the mission, and to each other.
1: Our very freedom came under attack in a series of deliberate and deadly terrorist acts.
4: In 2001, when our nation was still reeling from the September 11th terrorist attacks, Marines aboard the USS Peleliu the USS Bataan came from the sea and launched the longest amphibious raid in history we came 370 miles from the sea
2: 25 aircraft during one period of darkness we inserted 400 marines over that distance we did what we say that we do
0: we did it in an expeditionary manner we did it from the ships and despite uh, a lot of risk
4: we did it successfully the same warfighting spirit that secures our victory in combat comes from our ability to innovate, to iterate, to adapt. And we find inspiration in each other.
2: I remember my first cat shot in an F-18 into a combat zone. And that was a whirlwind of emotions, right? You're ready to go, you've practiced, you're trained, but you're a little bit nervous. That nervousness though, I think is good, right? It keeps you sharp.
4: She's more than an astronaut, she is a Marine. Whose warfighter ethos shapes who she is. A battle-tested warrior with 47 combat missions in Iraq and Afghanistan.
2: When I'm sitting on top of that rocket and they start to load the prop and it starts to shake and rumble, I hope that I feel a little bit nervous, keeps me sharp, I hope though that I have this calmness, knowing that I'm trained, my crew is trained, we are ready to go. And I hope that the second that we launch from planet Earth, that all just disappears. And we're in the moment
4: while those who threaten our nation remain America sleeps well at night knowing the future will be no different because the marines are always standing ready
2: across the force
4: we continue to innovate and experiment in preparation for the future fight
0: where we will fight might be uncertain but we prepare for uncertainty When called, we will fight and we will win. Today, tomorrow, and in the future. These victories are not won because of our technology or our equipment, but because of all of you. Because of everything you do, every day, to remain the best trained, most professional, most ready force in the world. That has not changed. We are warfighters first and always. If the call comes today to go into combat, we will win. But that's no excuse not to be better tomorrow. It is the individual Marines who make up the team. They are the decisive advantage. Whether in combat or in competition, training our future Marines of recruit training. or preparing to deploy on one of our Marine Expeditionary Units. We have always adapted to the changing character of war. Why we fight and why we win is unchanged. It is our ethos. Character and our unapologetic resolve to be the most capable and most lethal fighting force in the world. Marines, you are writing the next chapter of our Corps. Our legacy rests upon your shoulders, and I'm confident you will meet the task. Simba Fidelis,
2: happy Happy birthday, birthday. Marines. The quarterdeck is brought to you by Miguel Science Photography. From the beginning of your family to the first birthday and beyond, whether it's a retirement or a Marine Corps ball, Miguel Science Photography is there to make memories that will last a lifetime. Miguel Science Photography is a certified veteran-owned business. Contact them at miguelsciencephotography.com.
3: What we're going to do right here is go back,
2: way back, back into time. If you're just joining us, you're listening to The Quarterdeck with Miguel Gunny signs and this week in our reading with the first marine division in Iraq of 2003, no greater friend, no worst enemy, we're going to take a look at how the division created the administrative center to assist them in getting everything put into place to get the division ready to deploy and into country to conduct the mission that they were about to face. So in early of January 2003, Gunnery Sergeant Marco Rico of the division G1 did an administrative assessment of the personnel receiving process in Kuwait. He realized that Marines in theater would need more than just accountability. They would need reporting unit code or RUC, level administrative assistance for pay, promotions, unit diary assistance, legal assistance, emergency leave, and other administrative support far beyond the capabilities of a small staff currently located forward. Before the rest of the division arrived in Kuwait, an administrative structure needed to be in place. On 30 January, Lt. Col. Pulaski and a small administrative team departed Camp Pendleton to set up a Division Administration Center, or DAC, at Commando Camp in Kuwait. The DAC, comprised of administrators from each RCT, would handle the bulk of the administrative matters in concert with the reachback administrative support to assist every Marine with the 1st Marine Division. Unit administrators from the RCTs would be co-located, but not consolidated. Using this unique arrangement, unit integrity and administrative processes consistent with the guidance of their immediate commanding officers would stay intact. But all the administration Marines would benefit from their mutual experience and shared workspace in case of a requirement to surge in support of a crisis situation, the various units responsibilities would work together on a several issues to meet a common goal. 100% accountability and administrative support for all Marines attached to the 1st Marine Division to include attachment from the Army's 1st Field Artillery 2nd Marine Division units, 4th Marine Division units, and individual augments equipment shortages especially for computer and communication assets proved critical shortfalls during the first few weeks of the DAC's operation as this equipment arrived later in the force flow the DSC found a stable work area using space gladly donated by the MFG2 With the assistance of their fellow Marines and the exceptional efforts of the divisions G6 and G1 ensured the DAC had communications capabilities consistent with their needs. Reach back and push forward administration became a converted effort daily between the G1 Marines in Iraq, Kuwait, and California. The CG's vision of warfighting units having only a small administrative staff as they move forward with the majority of administrative work completed in the division support area was achieved. This was something that was very, very important because Marines were forward in a theater environment. There were still administrative issues that needed to be taken care of. Pay, leave, emergency leave, or anything like that. Anything can happen, even when you're forward in a theater environment, and you may need to communicate with people back home, or emergencies can occur. So this was something that was very, very crucial and very important, and... According to the CG's guidance, his vision was completed with that administrative team already being forward and being in place, ready to receive all the Marines in country on the ground and make sure that all their needs administrative-wise were going to be taken care of. Now let's take a look at sappers up, combat engineers, how they organize themselves to get ready for combat. Operation Iraqi Freedom would see something different when it came to combat engineers. Forward-thinking engineers started with a fresh sheet of paper as they figured out the best way to organize engineer support for the division. The Marine Corps would combine both 1st and 2nd Combat Engineers Battalion, or CEBs, into a single engineer battalion. Contingency planning between 1st and 2nd Combat Engineer Battalion the two active duty battalions, and 4th Combat Engineer Battalion, the Reserve Combat Engineer Battalion, had begun to take shape in October of 2002. The Engineer Battalion commanders jointly recommended merging battalion staff and providing reinforced line companies directly to the RCTs to give the fighting units an immediate and robust combat engineer capability. After presenting this course of action to the commanding general of the 1st Marine Division, Lieutenant Colonel Paul Seer, the commanding officer of 1st CEB, was selected to be the CG's principal engineering advisor as a division engineer, while Lieutenant Colonel Mike Micucci, the commanding officer of 2nd CEB, would actually command the Combined Combat Engineer Battalion. All agreed that this organization would provide unity of command, best support for the RCTs, Place the majority of the division's engineer capability forward and at the same time retain a sizable engineer capability still in general support of the division. The engineer support companies held a general support of the division could be used to reinforce one or more of the RCTs with additional breaching capabilities. Be used in military operational and terrains or mount. Assisting in cutting, expediting combat roads and trails or provide survivability or other combat support. In addition, engineer sections would be provided to the 1st and 3rd LAR Battalions and 1st Reconnaissance Battalion to assist in bridge classification, performing obstacle and minefield reconnaissance and other combat engineer support. Engineer support company detachments reinforcing the RCTs would include at least six M9 armored. Combat Earthmovers, or ACE, two or more bulldozers, three dump trucks, armored Humvees, a maintenance contact vehicle, and the operators and mechanics required to provide ample support. By mid-February of 2002, all the engineers were deployed to Kuwait, and their equipment soon followed. First and second CEB completed their merger, and a new personal structure, EMERGE would run the combined command. The combat engineer letter companies from both CEBs were attached to the RCTs. Charlie Company, 2nd CEB, went to RCT-1. Bravo Company, 1st CEB, went to RCT-5. And both C and D Company, 1st CEB, went to RCT-7. The engineer battalion would retain one combined headquarters and service company and two separate engineer support companies, one from each of the 1st and 2nd CEBs. Throughout February, CEB created a staff that would be divided between CEB forward command post, main command post, and combat train. Having a forward and main command post would allow the battalion to echelon forward and support varied and potentially independent missions. By 10 March, all sea lift ships supporting the engineers had arrived, and the combined battalion had sufficient equipment to be combat ready. So now the engineers were ready to support the whole division, all the different RCTs. That was very important because their support was going to weigh heavenly on the mission accomplishment of the division as they push forward in the event that they needed engineer support from a bulldozer moving barricades or anything like that. Or for example, for us as an artillery unit. They came in and bermed every howitzer in. So we had a, about an 8 to 10 foot berm surrounding the howitzer to provide us a little bit more protection. In the event that we were starting to receiving any kind of a gunfire or anything like that, that would help to protect the Marines and the gun. So that was their main goal and why they were in country to help provide all the support. So now they had everything in place and they were ready to go. Next week in our reading, we'll move into looking at how the division was starting to build a home for all the service members, all the Marines that were going to be heading into country and how they put into place Camp Matilda, where everybody was going to head into once they actually got into country. And this is very, very important because that's where I landed. That's where I, when I got into country, we went to Camp Matilda. Hero Hero. highlight. Corporal Charles Joseph Berry, United States Marine Corps, is another Marine that also received the Medal of Honor. And his citation reads as follows. For conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty. During the Iwo Jima campaign, Corporal Charles J. Berry was posthumously awarded the nation's highest military decoration for bravery, the Medal of Honor. Serving with a machine gun crew with the 1st Battalion, 26th Marines, 5th Marine Division, Corporal Barry chose to sacrifice himself to save his fellow Marines when he dived on an enemy grenade that had landed in their foxhole. Charles Joseph Barry was born in Lorain, Ohio on 10 July of 1923. He graduated from Clearview High School in 1941, then went to work as a truck driver for a moving concern. He enlisted in the Marine Corps in Cleveland, Ohio on one October, 1941, when he was 18 years of age. Following his enlistment, he was ordered to Paris Island, South Carolina, where he received his recruit training. Following the completion of recruit training, he was transferred to the Marine Barracks, Quantico, Virginia, but shortly afterwards was ordered to the Marine Barracks in New River, North Carolina, where he entered parachute trading. After qualifying as a parachutist, he was promoted to private first class on 2 June of 1942. He hailed from San Diego, California on 11 March of 1943 and arrived in New Caledonia later that month with the first parachute battalion. He left New Caledonia in September of 1943. He arrived in the Solomon Islands a few weeks after his departure, and in October of 1943, went to Vella La Vella, where he remained for one month. In November of 1943, he landed in Bougainville, and during the campaign took part in the raid at Kaori Beach and in the Empress Augusta Bay Action. Prior to returning to the United States in February of 1944, he spent a short time at Guadalcanal. Following his arrival at Camp Elliott, San Diego, he joined the newly organized 5th Marine Division in early of 1944. In July, he departed for the Hawaiian Islands with the division. He was advanced to corporal on 22 July of 1944. He landed on Iwo Jima on D-Day, 19 February 1945, and was killed in action on 3 March of 1945. During the action, which earned him the Medal of Honor, initially buried in the 5th Marine Division Cemetery on Iwo Jima, he was re-entered into Elmwood Cemetery, Lorain, Ohio, in 1948, in addition to the Medal of Honor. Corporal Berry was also posthumously awarded the Purple Heart, Presidential Unit Citation, Asiatic Pacific Campaign Medal, American Defense Service Medal, American Campaign Medal, and World War II Victory Medal. The Quarterdeck. From the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli. We fight our country's battles In the air, on land, and sea First to fight for right and freedom And to keep our honor clean We are proud to claim the title Of United States Marine Our flags unfurled to every breeze, from dawn to setting sun. We have fought in every clime and place where we could take a gun, In the snow of far off northern lands and in sunny tropic seas, You will find us always on the job, the United States Marines. Here is health to you and to our Corps, which we are proud to serve. In many a strife we fought for life and never lost our nerve. If the Army and the Navy ever look on heaven's seas, they will find the streets are guarded by United States Marines. In today's episode, we looked at the history and the tradition of the birthday of the United States Marine Corps. Every year it's celebrated by every Marine. No matter where they are, whether they're deployed forward into country or simply back here in CONUS in the United States. There's many, many balls that are being celebrated throughout our Corps throughout the end of October and now through the month of November. It is very important for us as United States Marines to remember those that came before us and what they did to make sure that our Marine Corps continued to exist and that allowed us to be part of the traditions and everything that is going to be talked about in history. So it is very important that we remember these things and we remember what today actually symbolizes. And I think all of you that are listening that really had no idea exactly what the Marine Corps birthday celebration actually consists of because you were able to actually follow us in a small journey of what the celebration consists of. Now, we heard the reading birthday message from General John A. Lejeune and also from our current commandant. That is just part of our celebration because you also have the guest of honor that gives his speech. And to me, the most important part of the whole entire celebration is actually the passing of the cake from the oldest to the youngest Marines that symbolizes the passing of the knowledge and the traditions from that oldest to youngest Marines to our newest individual Marines that are now have entered our beloved Corps. It's been almost eight years now since I retired from active duty from the United States Marine Corps. And I can tell you that I still miss it every single day. I miss the Marines. I miss the camaraderie, everything that we shared. But I know just like any Marine, past and present, Nobody can take the title of Marine away. Once a Marine, always a Marine. Marines, happy 247th birthday. Our book with the 1st Marine Division in Iraq of 2003, No Greater Friend, No Worst Enemy, is starting to get put into place now that the administrative division there, all the Marines that are going to handle all the admin things once the Marines are deployed forward, is now in place. And later we'll see exactly how important that is, how important it is to have somebody there on the ground with all the computer system, the knowledge, everything to be able to communicate back to the States when it comes to marines getting paid or any other kind of administrative issues that may pop up because you'd be surprised some of the things that can actually pop up even though the marines are in country now every unit is supposed to make sure that everything is taken care of prior to deployment to make sure that they are combat ready and ready to deploy that there are no issues with any of the Marines back home or any of their families or any dependents that they may be leaving behind. So we got to make sure that all those things are taken care of. And this is one of the things that this unit that is being pushed forward for all the admin issues is going to help to actually take care of. The combat engineers are in place. They are organized to make sure that they have every RCT in mind that they can provide all the support as well as any kind of general support to any other units that may be in need of any kind of engineering support. In our hero highlight, we looked at Corporal Charles Joseph Berry, United States Marine Corps. Next week, we'll take a look at First Lieutenant Alexander Boniman Jr. and his story and what he did in order to get awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor. Thank you for joining us this week. And again, Marines, have an outstanding birthday, a great celebration. Remember those that came before us and remember the traditions that we hold dear to our heart as we celebrate this 247th birthday of the United States Marine Corps. Until next week, this is Miguel, the Gunny Signs, sounding Liberty Call.
0: Get off the bus! I do solemnly swear swear that I will support the The Constitution of the United States States, against all enemies foreign and domestic. 加油